You're listening to Messes to Successes, a behind-the-scenes look at the strategies, tools, and insights that have taken businesses of all sizes from losing to winning with serial business builder Walden Fenster. For a VIP experience with Walden and the Venture Studios team, visit VentureStudios.com slash podcast. There you'll get access to a huge vault of resources, including free business training, consulting, and an inside look at how to grow a successful business. Hey, on this week's episode of Masses to Successes, we're talking with Walden Fenster about investor funding, starting your business with some cash on hand. Uh, obviously, with a background of 50, over 50 startups and uh, some that he's sold and some that he's uh, have, have gone on to be very successful and others that haven't. We're talking about cash flow at different levels. And so Walden, I want to start off uh, this episode talking about the old expression, it takes money to make money. Uh, and the, the standard thinking behind that is that you have to have plenty of cash on hand to start a business. What do you think about that? I don't think it's uh, necessary in a, a, the digital world that we live in nowadays. Most of the time people can start with very little or nothing at all and go on to be very successful in the different areas of business in the digital world. However, the analogy of takes money to make money is applicable to when people are starting more brick and mortar style businesses or franchises. I mean, it really depends on the model that they're getting ready to start into or adventure into. Uh, because that'll kind of dictate if they need cash on hand or not. If, if I'm dealing with somebody that is wanting to go on to be an internet marketing manager or an affiliate or just build an online business, far less capital, sometimes not even any capital is needed to start that business. Whereas if I'm talking to somebody that's going into cosmetics or supplements or um, like a franchise model of some sorts, there's going to be a larger amount of money needed up front to one, either buy inventory to a physical location or space, and three, usually there's, if it's a franchise, it's a, there's a ton of money just to license the name, so. So, uh, so going from a range of having a, a, an internet business with no uh, overhead and expenses, or going up to say having a storefront or a restaurant or something where you're gonna have a lot of expenditures right off the bat, what are some of the levels of capital financing that you see? Right. No, that's that's a great question. And there's definitely um, a number numbers game that goes into some of this stuff where you start to look at risk and dif different th proponents of the risk. So like what they're going to ask in exchange for the investment, if it's more friends and family, they're not going to more than likely hold your feet to the fire. Some families might. I mean, you never know. Um, all the way up to if you're playing around in the VC, venture capital or private equity PE worlds with those different funds. They're going to require larger percents of the equity, larger, um, larger things to be backed by their investment. So like if I was talking to an internet marketer, an affiliate marketer, somebody like that, the, their, their data, their list, their systems, their technology, like that, that's a different level of investment to start. You know, they're not going to go talk to a VC about a $10 million, like the startup fund over here to come help them become the best affiliate marketer in the world. <laughs> you know, like, they could, they probably just won't be successful. Uh, but you could go to a friends and family round or even like a local like Shark Tank, local universities usually have them, local chambers, like local Shark Tank style investors where it's more friends and family, lower risk, usually done by 
accredited investors, but still you're going after maybe that, that 5,000 to 50,000, maybe up to a hundred thousand, sometimes even higher, depending on how many people you're going to bring into the investment. Whereas if you're, if you're going the other end of the spectrum where you're looking at supplements or um, oils or just other things that are actual products that are out there that are going to take a large amount of money up front. Uh, you, you're starting to push that realm from angel fund into some sort of hybrid model with possibly mezzanine financing or other types of lending that VCs can do before you're up to that 20 million plus mark that most VCs are going to start looking at. When does it make sense for an entrepreneur to begin looking for investors? Early on, uh, you're going to have a pretty good feel for where you stand with cash flow and how much you can invest into your idea or project. Uh, with that being said, early on when you first have your ideas, we like to create what we call a minimum viable product or an MVP. It's you literally in a, in a previous episode. Yeah. We, we talked about that bootstrap model where you're, you're testing uh, and if you missed that episode, you can go back and, and have a listen to that one because we talked about that minimum viable product to get your business idea uh, from zero, just to get it out of your head and get it out into the market to test. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's spot on. So that's, it's one of the, the, the connection points between that episode and this episode is like taking that next step to investment from an idea. Uh, most of the time, if it's a physical product, if it's retail something, if it's something you're actually selling outside of a service, more than likely you'll have an MVP of some sort. You're going to have your product in a bottle, in a box, on a shelf. You're going to have it somewhere where people can actually like test it, see it, feel it. You know, like if, if I'm sitting in an investment meeting or an investor forum or an angel meeting or something like that, and it's an actual product that somebody's pitching, like they can either stand up there and do nothing, you know, and have nothing to show me, which then I'm just having to imagine things, or they can walk around and hand me an MVP and say, this is exactly what we're doing. We're just finalizing some of the pieces and components. It makes it more real, makes it more tangible. But when you actually put money and time into creating that MVP, you know, the numbers behind it, you know, how like low cost you can make something and at what numbers you can scale to. You know, if you don't have an MVP and you want to create one, like you can start as simple as possible. Just grab whatever like local supplies you have and make it into something, you know, make sure the process can be done by you before you try to go replicate and mass produce 10,000 of them. So it's more than just creating a prototype. It's actually test driving the process yeah. to, to see if the process would work. I heard an investor say uh, to small business entrepreneur idea person who wanted to get something started and they said, I see that this is a viable idea. I just don't know if you're the one to launch this. I don't know if you have the process, if you have the, uh, the capability to fulfill on this idea. Does that happen? Yeah. Obviously. I mean, like we've sat through countless meetings where, the idea is amazing. The, the overall concepts are amazing. The, the financial modeling is amazing. Their ask is amazing. Everything's good. And then you start to look at the person that's running the company and the, the jockey of the company or the driver of the, the car, you know, like they, they are responsible for the direction of the company. So if you're, it's usually one of the first things that investors will actually start to look at is the pedigree of the person and 
the overall, the likelihood of them succeeding versus failing and just overall like, you, you know if you meet an entrepreneur that's super driven, that's going to work 200 hours until like tomorrow trying to figure out how to make something happen rather than a leader or somebody that's in that leading spot that just, they don't get it, they don't know how to sell it, they just don't, they can't wrap their head around how to make it work. Even though they're so smart, they figured it out, they just don't know how to take it to that next step. And so much of like investment is looking at that person and saying, yeah, it's a great idea. I, I know that this guy's going to make it happen no matter what. And that's when you can really start taking the, the discussions to the next level. That reminds me of the, uh, the first episode of the podcast where we dealt with the seven pillars of what makes a successful business. And you said one of them is operations. Yeah. So is that venture capitalist looking to see if you've got the, the capability to actually perform the business idea that you have. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a few different like just areas that the, the, the more money and the more responsibility you're gonna take on is really when you're starting to get audited on a whole nother level. So like if you're going after the friends and family round, more than likely, you know these people, they know you, they trust you, they can see the vision, they're gonna dump in a small amount of money, you know? Uh, probably on an individual family household, like average, you're probably looking at like that 50 K mark, less, maybe less. Uh, but like it's overall, it's, they know you, they trust you. They're not going to come sit next to you and watch you do your job, or they're not going to come interview all the people you want to hire. They don't want to go talk to your clients. They just blindly trust what you're about to do. You know, so that's, that's different than if you're starting to scale and grow, you know, you, there's so many examples out there of people that, have never taken on debt or never taken on investors and the levels that they're able to reach at usually before they get acquired. And it's just, you really have to, and I'll reiterate this time and time again, it's knowing where you want to end up because if you want to end up exiting at a high amount and you want to cash out and keep the majority of your company and do it by yourself, your expectations are a little bit lower than somebody that's ready to leverage up, go bring on $20 million of investment, take it to the next level, go after that big next nine figure evaluation and onwards and upwards where they might only end up with 15 to 20% of the company they started and the idea they started. But that 20% is worth 10, 120 times more than what they would have been over here. You know, like it's just, it's nine day difference, but it's, it's the level of where you want to be at and the overall strategy of where you want to go. When you deal with, um, especially first time entrepreneurs or people who are starting their first or second or third business, um, do you run into people who have maybe some unrealistic expectations of what kind of funding oh, yeah. they want <laughs> or un- unrealistic, um, metric of what funding they really need and and how do you address that so it always comes back to that number is what what will people actually pay for it (laughs) you know like as as entrepreneurs we're naturally just we we're optimistic we're like yeah this is a great idea it's going to be worth a billion dollars tomorrow you know (laughs) like where's my investors you know you can have one percent for a zillion dollars you know like it's just unrealistic expectations as far as what your company, your idea and your business is actually worth compared to like what you see it as being worth, you know? So like it's, it's stepping back, it's having some professionals actually evaluated. It's looking at all the numbers, the systems, the IP, like just tearing it apart to see 
if you were not running it, what it would actually be worth <laughs> in a weird way. But like, it, it's literally, it's looking at so many different things and just kind of pulling and piecing it all together to come up with that evaluation so that you actually know, hey, if I'm going after an investor at, at a VC level, you know, and we already have 10 or 20 investors, we've already raised $3 million, but now we're looking for that next $10 million raise or $20 million raise, $30 million raise, like, where what is the true evaluation of where we're headed and can we actually make it with how we're set up now you know and it's 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 starting to look at those little pieces where things will start aligning and showing bigger investors i mean they have they have teams of 10 20 100 different like financial advisors and analysts and consultants and people that sit there at bigger funds and just evaluate businesses that's all they do is put an evaluation on them you know it's crazy but people get paid to have fun <laughs> so they're looking at like i'm thinking in terms of an income statement and a balance sheet they're looking at line items and they're saying okay this this is not going to return at the level that you think because we're seeing this item over here you haven't accounted for this properly is yeah i mean it's it's going it's all the way down like that that's just like the base level financial overview but when you really start to go into it, it's like, okay, well, you're producing this widget for one cent, where if we go order a, a quadrillion of them and send them over here from China, we're going to get it down to like 0.0001%, you know, like, or one cent, like, it's just, it's on financials on a whole nother level. It's like just going through and like seeing where all your competitors are at, where you're headed, where the forecasting growth of the market's going, like, they literally, they take all kinds of factors in. And there's a big firm out of Chicago that handles a ton of these and its name is uh, Kleiner Perkins. And they, they come up with some of the like craziest spot on evaluations that you will ever see. But like it takes so much time and it takes a whole team of people to come in and put a true evaluation on your company or idea or product, you know? And like once they get it done, yeah, now we have more tangible things that we can go after for, for that investment and say, hey, yes, this is, this is the pedigree of who just gave us our pedigree, you know? <laughs> so like, it's just kind of weird how that world like works together, but it's, it's really cool to see. You mentioned that, that there's this group in Chicago that will do the evaluation. Are there networking groups where venture capitalists and entrepreneurs get together? I know you've mentioned about the shark tank. How do business concepts and venture capitalists kind of find each other aside from just yeah. mailing mailing my business idea to a hundred people. There's a lot of benefit in following the system. And when it comes to raising money where you don't just go straight from your basement to going after a $50 million raise. Like it just like the likelihood of that ever happening is like, you might as well just go buy a lot of tickets, you know? So like you have to literally, if you, if, as you follow the recipe, as you go from, that, that initial money that you put in and then you're going to friends and family and then you maybe go past friends and family into an angel round and then a bridge round. But as you start to grow up, your network is expanding as your credibility is expanding. So now like all, all these people talk, you know, like I'm on a syndicate with 600 different VCs, you know, that everybody's just passing deals back and forth, finding finders fees are flying around, like whatever, you know, like, but it, it's one of those things where, if us, so like I'm part of the West Suburban Angels here in Naperville. So as we see deals that are credible, we pass them on to other angel funds that like we work with, you know? So like, it's just, 
we're, we, if we're investing into it, we want it to be successful. If that requires more investors, great. Let's go help you find more investors, whether it's a small time or big time, you know? So like, and just like as a, a networking person, like I don't know out of like normal, like universities or special events, founder circles, things like that, where they actually do like a shark tank event, but they're usually very well publicized at like innovation centers and co-working spaces and places where entrepreneurs are actually at. But like overall, a lot of it just comes down to the networking of the event so that if I'm out and about and I find a really good deal or like a really good investment opportunity, then I go back to my angel fund or I pass it on to whoever that I know focuses on biotech or whatever it is. But like it's, it's playing connector in the marketplace, but it's, it's weird because a lot of people in this realm are doing the same exact thing. They're, they're finding the deals, they're passing them on, and then they're getting deals passed back to them in reciprocity. So let's talk about the small business owner that is ready for that next level raise. They've gone beyond the friends and family. They've got a little, you know, they've, they've got enough business coming in. They've got, you know, they've, they've kind of settled on the process. They've, they've got their product and their process. Give me kind of a, a checklist of things that I need to be looking at for myself to evaluate, am I ready for this next level of investment? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> it's a loaded question, Chad. <laughs> so it's, like I said, it's going to depend on your business model and the overall strategy of it. Because if, if you're sitting here and you're an online business that's got a ton of recurring like subscription model, your multiplier is going to be far above and beyond the, the widget manufacturer over here that's selling stuff by the tens of thousands, you know, where it's just mass selling over here. You know, different business model, different structure. One has overhead, one doesn't, you know, but all those things start to factor into the evaluation of the business. The evaluation is really like something that you need to keep coming back to because with a crap evaluation, you're going to get no offers and you're not going to go raise that money. It's not going to happen. Like I met with an entrepreneur the other day <laughs> and like they, um, yeah, this is going to be funny. So they <laughs> told me their evaluation. They told me they were going after a $15 million investment. And I was like, man, this is going to be some great numbers. Like whatever they're looking for, like it has to be awesome. So, and they're like, yeah, and they're going to give for that $15 million. They only want to give away 25% of the company. So instantly it's evaluated, evaluated at $60 million, like upfront right there without terms, discounts, and all these other fancy words that we can get into later. But I'm sitting there going, man, $60 million, you guys' sales must be off the hook or you have some crazy IP that only you have, you know, that maybe Elon Musk wants, you know. But anyway, like it's, it's one of those things where you're just sitting there going, all right, I'm here. You warm me up. Now pitch me. What's this amazing product? And it's just, it was like water dissolvable CBD, you know. And I'm like, okay, sales. And they're 350000 And I said, so you're telling me you have a 187 time multiplier on this business right now. <laughs> like, and it's, it's nothing to them, but that's, that's the route of an entrepreneur right now is you evaluate things, how you and your perception lie, you know, but the moment that you start to go after money and you start to get true professionals in there that look at businesses 10 times a day and they know what's good and what's not like, it doesn't take much to say, Hey, 187 time multiplier on 300 grand not a good idea to go after an investment right now. You're going to get laughed out of every single thing. And like, I don't hold back. So if people like when we're on a fit call, so like that was somebody that booked a fit call 
Like normally they're four ninety seven for podcast listeners or we give them away for free. Uh, the link is in like everywhere. So it's just like go book a free fit call. Uh, but literally book the call. We did the, the whole call and like, I'm not the type of guy to sugarcoat things for you. If there's something wrong, I'll tell you it's wrong. There was a serious wrongdoing in that evaluation. <laughs> so like, of course I'm going to point them in the right direction, but like, like what they need in that situation, investment's great. An investor would be awesome because they have 90% profit margins. Like, so knowing that if I go invest a hundred grand into just inventory, they could turn it around into a million dollars or more with economies of scale, you know? So like nothing's wrong with going after an investment at this round, but what they need to do to ramp up and start leveling up so that they're making multiple seven, eight figures a year and then go after the $15 million like investment round once you hit that level. But they need to start, they've already done their friends and family. They've already invested themselves into the company. They need that 500,000 to a million dollar angel fund round where they can get 500 to a mil. They can ramp up their systems, ramp up their technology, ramp up their employees and get like they're in stores, but they're not even like doing anything online. So they need websites. They need all this stuff. Great. Go spend 50 grand on a website, put their other 450 to $950,000 into inventory and sell the crap out of it. <laughs> go make your, go make your $10 million. And now let's go after the $60 million evaluation. So there's a different level of math that's involved in this that a lot of people don't understand, but they, they don't see it from the investor perspective. It's funny. You mentioned Elon Musk in there. Cause I just recently saw that in 1995, his dad loaned him $28,000 to start a software company. So when you think Shocking. about <laughs> you think about that multiplier, yeah. uh, 28,000 in 1995, I think my first job uh, in the mid 90s didn't quite pay that much. So, you know, that's probably about a year's wages back then. Yeah. Uh, but he had a family member that was willing to put forth that kind of cash to invest in that dream. And I imagine that most people, if they look around their own personal database, they probably know somebody that believes in their idea enough to get them to at least a starting place. Is, is that the experience that you have? Do most people have access to some sort of base cash? In, in different levels, yes. So like if I was going to go start a network marketing company and needed 500 bucks, like I'm pretty sure almost everybody out there could go find 500 bucks, you know, whereas if I was going to start a software company now to like today, that 28 grand that Elon's dad gave him wouldn't go quite as far, <laughs> you know? So like, like it, it varies. So like if I was going to go start a manufacturing company and I needed hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars just to get my first, like my cast done before I could even then go replicate it. Like, there's a crazy stat out there and like bring it back to everything. It's um, I just read it. It's 48% of people have $0 in retirement funds when they turn like 52 or 53. It's some weird, it's crazy. Like the, that's like half the population by the time they get to that age have zero in their savings. Okay. But that also shows like in my head, I'm looking at that going saying, okay, yeah, but that means that one out of every two people that I know at retirement age has money and the other one doesn't, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So like, like if, if you wanted to go the friends and family route, like 
you can go that route and like go put together and scrape together smaller amounts of investment. Whereas if, if I was going after, I, I, I have a hard time like taking money from friends and family. Like I've never really, I don't like that realm of business. I'd rather, if the idea is valid, I'd rather go make money in other areas or figure out ways to save money so that then we can put money into starting a business or take it from that level to the angel realm. So like straight into bigger level investment so that it takes more stress and pressure off you. And you're, you're the moment that you involve friends and family, like it, it's a different level of like stress and pressure, you know, because you see these people every single holiday. <laughs> like why, like why would you make that even more worse? <laughs> like it's just, well, you can ruin the relationship that way. Yeah. Like yeah, if it fails and it's bad blood, like if it's successful, which, you know, some of them are, some of them aren't. But overall, are you willing to risk that relationship on whatever? It could be a $5,000 investment. Like, is that relationship worth it to lose? So what I'm hearing is that the greater the ask, the greater the accountability. Yep. The Accountability is king. So, and that, that comes back to like, that's why I'm actually an advocate for people having more than one investor because it's more accountability to the actual entrepreneur and owner. Yes, you get to a point where you don't want 17,000 people breathing down your back asking for answers and there's no such thing as a silent partner when there's money involved. So like at the end of the day, like you're going to have more accountability if you have three, four, five investors and actually knowing where, <laughs> knowing where they want to be at financially and knowing where you want to be at financially, it really helps like kind of hold your feet to the fire and make you get stuff done. So there's obviously different levels of, of funding that we're talking about here from bootstrapping up to literally billions of, of venture capital dollars going in. Talk to me a little bit about that range. Right. So you, you have, like I said earlier, you have different levels of the spectrum that require different levels of money, but you also have the people that even when money's like being thrown at them, they reject it and they keep growing organically or they seek out wise counsel on the next steps to take that level of growth, which is more on the consulting side of figuring out who's, who's gone from eight figures to nine figures, who's gone from nine figures to 10, who's going way above 10, you know? So like you have the, the classic examples of Elon, and I know we've talked about him a couple of times on this podcast, but he's a great example where uh, he went out and just this year he raised another 300 plus million dollars for SpaceX. I mean, that means in this calendar year, he's raised a billion dollars for a space program. And like now that company, it took that evaluation, talk about like an accelerated evaluation. It took it overnight from being like a $20 million or $20 billion evaluation to like a $36 billion evaluation, you know? So like, like it's just, it's crazy the amount of money that's going to put it into something but it's that high risk, high reward situation where if he does commercialize space, you wanna be an investor for that. If he sends a rocket ship up and it blows up, you don't wanna be an investor for that. You know, it's high risk, high reward, lots of money being thrown that way, but to go from like, you're almost doubling your evaluation with, a, with a, an investment round close, which is like crazy. That just doesn't happen unless you're Elon Musk. On the flip side, people that grow organically and refuse money, you have the natural and tried and true like Rocky Mountain wrestler, Russell Brunson, who was like, he, he turns money away from his business, even though he wants to go build 
a billion dollar company and he's following other people that have built billion dollar companies, but he's, he's never built one, but he's, he's growing it organically by getting creative with the marketing, getting, figuring out how to get people involved in pushing his products so that he doesn't have to through affiliate marketing, through live events through different trainings and different partnerships, but he's slowly growing up to a billion dollar brand but he's doing it organically. So he's not bringing on investors. He's not bringing on VCs that he's got to split the pie with. So right now he's, he's the main guy in click funnels, which like a couple of years ago is already evaluated at 350 million. Like he's already got a crazy amount of following, but it comes into that number that I hit on, which was the multiplier. So the big thing with click funnels is it's, it's recurring. It's software as a service. It's a SaaS model, meaning that income is a lot more predictable than Elon Musk over here with SpaceX, you know, so like, which is far-fetched, but like, it's a huge idea. It's a lot bigger of an idea than a SaaS model, but that's what's allowing Russell to grow like slowly and consistently over time organically without having to bring on hundreds of millions of dollars versus an Elon Musk, which is going, swinging for the fence every single time, trying to be the pioneer of space, which is going to take billions of dollars. So just a couple controversy points. Everybody here is Elon Musk, billionaire. He's a billionaire. And sometimes billionaires borrow other people's money to launch their business. Meanwhile, you've got this guy who started from his kitchen table with basically nothing and is building a billion dollar brand and proving that investor capital isn't always the answer. And it's sometimes it's the wrong answer. Right. It's so spot on. That's, that's a great like excerpt. Like, I, I mean, I love it. And like the crazy thing is like, if, if you really dig into the numbers, Elon might be the brokest billionaire out there because he's got so much tied up in stock options of Tesla and other investments. Like his whole livelihood and his whole net worth is built on options, which is a very shaky foundation to build on. So like, there, I mean, there's people like in the past, like, uh, you, you look at like, uh, oh my gosh, what was the guy's name? He, he traded in broadcaster or what was it ABC or he was involved in one of these things. And like when he sold his company to them, he was going to get a hundred million dollars or $125 million or something in stock options. So he took 10 million in cash and left the rest in with this, this company that then went bankrupt. So like, he, he literally lost $110 million like overnight. Like this was like a fast process, but the, the name will come back to me. It's just, it's one of those things where stock options and like having your name and complete financial well-being wrapped up into options isn't always the best fit. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I've heard of the analogy of using a two by four to extend off the end of a diving board. <laughs> And you can extend that to a certain distance, yeah. but eventually that's called leverage. Mm -hmm. Eventually you're going to be over leveraged. And, <laughs> and then the SEC what? comes calling. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. And then, but for, I think for the, for the average American, uh, the, the concept of, of bankruptcy and, and uh, leverage and debt and, and borrowing money to, to grow things is completely, you know, it blows people's brains. And yet you have these billionaire investors who are borrowing money, borrowing, you know, leveraging stock options and things like that. Their, their intent is to grow something much bigger, 
but then the risk, of course, that goes with that's where you have the risk is when you have options that that fall through. Yeah, it's crazy, but like that's that's really like when you start to level up and start to play in bigger and bigger ponds, like it's crazy to think about, but it's it's literally just ones and zeros. It's literally on a previous episode we talked about making um, decisions like based on numbers instead of your emotions. You know, like the bigger you grow in business and the more the more businesses that you're part of and start and the more like things that you go through, you start to, I want to say getting, get hardened, but you're, you're, you're starting to realize that it's ones and zeros. I can make a decision over here and pretty much be able to predict the outcome compared to when you're early on in business. And when it's some of your first ones, it's like, like it's super emotional and you're, you're letting emotion creep in in every aspect of the business, you know? So it's just, it's different, you know, it's like, Like when you get to that point in business where you can go leverage and say, Hey, I want to raise a billion dollars. Who wants to be in? And you have how many ever people give you how much ever money that they can just because they want to be in with what you're doing because you have the calculated risk, you know where you're headed, you know, the potential returns, you know? So like even Tesla or even Musk launching the the truck that he did, like that was genius, but he got how many, how many pre-orders? How many, he broke the internet with the ugliest truck design. And he still makes billions of dollars. Like that is, that's just awesome. But like the fact of it is he's playing at a much bigger level than everybody else out there. So. And his threshold for risk is much higher. I think that's what you're getting at is that you get, um, you, I don't know if it's a callus or you get hardened to you, your, your threshold for risk becomes much higher. Yeah. 100%. Which awesome. I know we're going to talk about next week. So, what are some of the services that you offer to entrepreneurs to help them navigate funding, or you know that pre-funding to launch their business? So, and I, I like to add this disclaimer in here that I'm not an attorney and I'm not a financial like advisor in any way. So, like, do not sue me and do not take my bad bad business advice if it gives you bad business advice. If you get good business advice, tell everybody and completely give me credit back. But Overall, uh, when it comes to the financials, the numbers, the term sheets, all those things. So like when you're getting, when you're getting ready to go after investment, there's lots of little things that you need to go after and get a, like a presentation spot even secured. Like you're going to need a pitch deck and the pitch deck is basically your presentation. You're going to need a presentation for the presentation, which there's a little bit of a difference where like a pitch deck is something that you set ahead, send ahead of time so that everybody sees your business. The one that you actually present on though should be a slimmed down minimal like presentation so that people are focused on you and not the slide deck. So you're going to get those two things done. You need to go after and get a term sheet. So a term sheet is literally listing out the terms of the agreement. What If somebody gives you $1, what, what does that mean? Like what percentages are you stepping into? What liability, what risk, where are you going to be a board member? Like wh- where, what are the terms of your arrangement and your agreement? And another key section on that term sheet is going to be your discount. So like most people will give certain angels or certain venture capitalist groups or funds um, what they call a discount where they're basically discounting the amount of shares or discounting the cost for the same amount of shares. So like you might hear some people say 20% discount on shares. So they're basically getting 
if it's a dollar a share, they're going to get a hundred shares for 80 bucks, you know, or sorry, bad math there, but like <laughs> same that, that principle of like, you're getting a discounted amount of shares for the same amount of cost. So there's just other things that go into the term sheet. Uh, you're going to more than likely have some sort of financial projections and models that go in there. You're going to need uh, just a handful. I, I normally like to have the advisory board selected ahead of presentation so they can see the other, levels of like people involved when you set up an advisory board then you're gonna have agreements for those people too so like it's just a lot of little things that need put together venture studio because we are not lawyers and because we're not accounting professionals like we can step in and we can help you do your pitch decks your presentations we have a, a course on our website called 42 days to funding so it'll basically walk you through a, a seven or a six week course on how to go from basically an idea to funding. And it's basically just weekly modules that walk you through just what you need to do. And you can also pick up the swipe files and stuff in that course. So like our, our pitch deck presentation, we've modulized so much that it's basically like, okay, on this slide, you're gonna talk about your product and the problem that it addresses, <laughs> you know? So like we, we walk you through how to create those pitch decks, but like that is our, there are main services that like we can, we can help with, but overall it's that, it's that fit call that I talked about earlier. Like that's the number one thing that we can help you out with. So. So people can get more information about this process, about the 42 days to funding and about other services that you offer adventurestudio.com. How else can they reach you? I'm going to give out my personal cell. No, just kidding. Would never, I wouldn't do that. Um, but our office line is 630-824-3700. I know there's some people out there that like to still talk to somebody and not just email a message. So if you want to hand us up, like that'll ring straight to my desk. Uh, email wise, Walden at VentureStudio.com. But the, the key thing here is you don't know until you know. And just like, I don't know if what you have is a great idea or needs funding or doesn't need funding or where you're at in the process. So without talking to you, without getting on a, a fit call that we've discounted down from $500 an hour to free, free 99, like, get on the call. Let's, let's walk through some things. Let's see where you're at. Let's see if you need that investment. If you're ready for that, let's see if maybe you need a couple tweaks before you're ready for that investment, you know, make, make sure that everything is looking good so that when you get ready to take that next step into investment, you're ready to go. You're ready to rock. So like, that's the big thing is start with the call. We'll make sure that it's worth your time. We'll make sure it's worth our time. We'll get everything structured and ready. We'll create that a roadmap to success for you basically and get, get those next steps taken so that you're, you're ready to go after that investment. Fantastic. Well, you've been listening to Messes to Successes with serial business builder Walden Fenster. Walden, thanks for your time today and your expertise. And again, if you have further questions, you want to learn more about getting an investor for your business idea, you'll go to VentureStudio.com. Have a great day. You've been listening to Messes to Successes, a podcast by Venture Studios. To get access to resources including free business training, consulting, and an inside look at growing a business, visit VentureStudio.com. This weekly podcast is produced and hosted by Walden Fenster, directed and edited by Chad Ketcher. Copyright 2019. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn and get new episodes every Wednesday wherever you find podcasts.